come to our scripture readings for this morning, we begin with Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 9, which can be found on page 1096 in your pew Bibles. And before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made, and God, we thank you for your word. God, we pray that you would help us to hear your word today. That you'd help us to hear it, to understand it, to remember it, to receive it, and to live it. God, that even this morning, by your word and by your spirit, we would experience new life, new creation. That we'd experience a bit more growth in the direction you would have us to grow in relationship with you through Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 9. It says, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Turning then to Acts chapter one, and we're going to kind of you get some of our timeline out of order here, so just bear with me there. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. This is how Luke begins his second volume, and we're going to go back in a little bit and pick up how he ends his first volume. So that's where I say we're going to get a little out of order on the timeline here, but let's see. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. He says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this morning, uh, obviously we're going to be talking about Jesus, and specifically about his resurrection. And we're going to look at one of his resurrection appearances, and it has the, um, the 
sermon text there in the bulletin, but I'm just going to warn you ahead of time, we're not going to stay right there as, as we usually do. We just sort of walk through a passage, but we're going to be kind of all over the place as we look at this topic of Jesus' resurrection. And, um, and it'll make sense, I hope, <laughs> as to why, why we're doing that in a bit. But let's go ahead and read it first. This is from Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 36 to 49. Now, we're going to go from 36 all the way to the end to 53. I've been back and forth on whether I want to do that. We're going to do it. Here we go. It's Luke 24, starting in verse 36. This is uh, the evening of the first Easter. And it says, While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. The people he's talking to are the disciples, by the way. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. All right. Of course, we're going to be talking about the resurrection of Jesus, but I also specifically want to be talking about um, kind of a, a threshold of belief. A threshold of belief, uh, or maybe the tipping point of belief, if that helps. So like the threshold idea is that you're kind of not in the room yet, and then you cross over the threshold, and now you're in the room. So what does it take to get from outside to inside? And what does that mean when it comes to the faith? And what does that mean when it comes to belief in the resurrection? And and the other thing I say is tipping point, because all of us, have this, and it's all a different level for each one of us, of how much evidence it takes when you first hear something to believe it's true, you know, how much evidence does that take? Or to reject it as not true. How much evidence does it take one side or the other before you're ready to accept or reject anything? We all have this. You get an email in your inbox, and it tells you something that has happened somewhere in the world, and you say, you think to yourself, yes, no, maybe? What does it take? Are you one who's quick to just jump right on board? Or are you one that says, never, ever, I don't care what it says, I'm not going to buy it? <laughs> we all have different levels, and I'll tell you, this actually came uh, kind of to bite me last year <laughs> when um, 
there's a lot of scams out there. There are a lot of scams. So you hear these warnings. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe if you get something from the IRS that may not be from the IRS. It's somebody just trying to steal your identity. So I got something from the IRS that was actually from the IRS. <laughs> but they weren't going to fool me. <laughs> and so for the first several letters I got, nope, <laughs> disregard. Until finally, they kept sending them, and I was like, that's a pretty persistent scammer. <laughs> Maybe I should check this out. And as it turns out, it was a real deal, and it was kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's a good thing I finally uh, followed up with that. Everything's okay now. Anyway, <laughs> I don't want to leave you wondering on that one. Anyway, <laughs> but I bring this up, this whole threshold of belief thing, because I think sometimes... Uh, we don't know what to do with the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, I heard um, years ago, I heard a man tell me he had been raised in the church. He had been in multiple denominations. He had been in church basically every Sunday of his whole life. And he said to me as a grown man, you know, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon preached ever on any of the uh, appearances of Jesus after he was raised from the dead. Are you serious? Is that even possible? (laughs) I mean, that is what our hope is based on. That is why we gather as a church on Sundays. It's because Jesus raised from the dead. How can we not talk about that? But it happens. And so, unfortunately, I mean, if that could happen for somebody who's raised in the church, surely that could happen for people who only kind of get the stories secondhand. (laughs) If you don't read it for yourself, you're only hearing it... uh, from, you know, bits and pieces you pick up here and there. I'm afraid a lot of people have an idea of the Easter story that goes something like this. Jesus died on the cross on Friday. On Sunday morning, they go to the tomb. Disciples go to the tomb. It's empty. And they celebrate that Jesus is raised from the dead and they go out and tell the world. Does that sound right? It's all true. Every bit of that is true. But I left out a lot of really important information. That is true in the same way it would be true to say, I learned to ride my bicycle when I was five years old, and then I was in the eighth grade, and then I had four children. Those are all true statements. (laughs) But I left out a lot of important information along the way. (laughs) that kind of connect those things. And that is unfortunately where we are Uh, when we have this story of Easter, that is, the tomb is empty and everybody goes out and celebrates the resurrection. That's not what happened. And so what I want you to hear this morning is actually on the first Easter Sunday morning, none of the disciples believed that Jesus raised from the dead. Did you know that? None of them believed he was raised from the dead on that first Easter morning. The women who went to the tomb did not believe that he was raised from the dead when they found the empty tomb. And that's not how a lot of us think the story goes. But, uh, but I think it's helpful, and I think it's important for us to know that. Because I think sometimes people reject the story because we have a higher threshold of belief than we think the disciples had. And so we think the disciples, they were just quick to jump right on board, and then they go around and they spread this thing. But surely, that's not what really happened. I need more proof. I need more evidence. Here's the, here's the good news is that the disciples also needed more proof. They needed more evidence. 
And Jesus graciously gave that and has been recorded for us as well. And so if we look back at Luke uh, 24, you start at the, at the beginning there when he's raised from the dead. The tomb is empty. That wasn't enough. It, John, I think, and Matthew as well, says that when the women got there and the tomb is empty, you know how they explained it? They didn't say, hallelujah, he's been raised from the dead. They said, someone must have stolen the body. They must have stolen the body. That's what happens. I mean, dead people don't come alive. People knew that back then, the same we know it now. And then, as uh, Luke tells us, when they realized that he had been raised from the dead, they have a vision of angels. They even, um, Mary actually meets Jesus face to face and says, go back and tell the disciples. So he, they go and they tell the disciples. And if you look in um, chapter 24, verse 11, the disciples did not respond by saying, great, he's risen from the dead. We really had hoped this was going to happen. No, not at all. They had no category for him to be raised from the dead like this. And so in verse 11, it says, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sure you have all been to funerals of someone that you knew and you loved. If somebody came and told you the next week, oh, by the way, they're alive again. I just met them. Would you be ready to jump on board with that or would you think they're talking nonsense? I think they're talking nonsense. And I base my whole life on the resurrection of Jesus. And I would still think they're talking nonsense. The disciples did too. Talking nonsense. People don't just rise from the dead. Now, it's not that they didn't believe that people would rise from the dead. They believed that there would be a resurrection of the dead. You see this Jesus talking with Martha at the tomb of Lazarus. And he says, your brother will rise. And he, she says, I know. I know, at the end, you know, there's going to be a resurrection. He'll rise then. And Jesus, no, no, no. <laughs> I am the resurrection and the life, right? And this is what the disciples had missed again and again. It was right there in front of them. They missed it again and again to the point that then the next thing Luke tells us is that there are people who are going along the road on the way to Emmaus, and Jesus shows up right there with them. They don't recognize him. Why would they? They're not expecting to see someone who was just killed. And especially the last time they had seen him, he didn't look like he does now. He was bloody and beat up and stripped down. If they had seen him again, that's what they expected him to look like. But now, not so much. And so he comes and he walks alongside them. And they're trying to explain what's going on to him as though he doesn't know. And they said, we'd hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. It says, well, what is more? It's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but they did not see Jesus. So what do they make of this? They don't know. They don't know what to make of this. All they are, they're just confused. They don't yet have enough evidence to get past that threshold of belief. And yet Jesus responds and says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Do you hear this? He doesn't say how foolish and slow you are to believe what the women said. How foolish you are and slow to believe what uh, the disciples said about the tomb being empty. How foolish you are and slow to believe 
all the prophets had spoken. And that is one of the things you see consistently as Jesus appears, having been resurrected, is he keeps going back to the Old Testament and saying, this has been in here all along. If you'd been paying attention to what, uh, what is the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, what the major section division, the whole Old Testament is what he's saying. What the whole Old Testament has been saying about what the Messiah would actually do and how he would come, yes, but that he would suffer and die and be raised again from the dead. That's all in there. If you've been paying attention, this wouldn't have taken you off guard. It wouldn't catch you by surprise, but it did. And so he opens their eyes and helps them to see. He begins Moses, all the prophets, explaining to them what was said in scriptures concerning himself. And then as he breaks bread with them later, their eyes are open. Oh my goodness. Now we see. And so then it's, that's where we pick up or we read already that then while they go back and they're talking to the disciples, the disciples of Peter's already met Jesus in person and they're talking about this. And Jesus then stands among them and says to them, peace be with you. They're thinking, all right, they've heard the tomb is empty. They're not sure what this means. but They've heard that maybe he's raised from the dead. And now here he is. Now they're going to believe, right? Now we've crossed that threshold. Now we've reached the tipping point. Nope. Not yet. You hear how they explain it? Verse 37, they don't, they don't bow down and begin to worship. They don't, hallelujah, he's right. No. Verse 37, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Why do they think they saw a ghost? They thought they saw a ghost because that seemed more logical to them than a man rising from the dead. Of course. It seemed more logical to them that that's what they were experiencing rather than the resurrected Jesus. And so he said to them, why are you troubled? Why did doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And then it says, and while they still did not believe. Goodness. And you, as you're reading this, you're like, come on, guys. But put yourself in their position. Where is your threshold of belief? What would it take? How much evidence would it require before you said, hallelujah, instead of, now hang on a second. <laughs> There's got to be some other explanation, right? I think for some of us, we accept the story of Jesus' resurrection not because we've taken it seriously, but because we've taken it too lightly. We take it as though it's a work of fiction, as though it's a once upon a time in a land far, far away, as though it's a fairy tale story. And you say, once upon a time, a man died, and then he was raised again. And we say, okay, if that's how the story goes, sure, I'll play along. But I hope what you see that Luke is not telling the story that way. In fact, he begins his whole account with, you know, I've researched this. I've talked to the eyewitnesses. This is what happened. And he presents it as such, not as something that happened once upon a time long, long ago, but something that happened in our history as a part of our story. And that a point in history to a particular person, and it's changed everything ever since. And has the power to change lives today as well. And so if you have kind of received, believed that you believed, but have taken it 
more as a once upon a time sort of thing and taking it too lightly, I would encourage you today to think about this, to take a look at the resurrection of Jesus and to take this more seriously as an actual event in our history. If you are uh, someone who has taken this seriously, who's understood the claims of the Gospels, that a real man died and was raised to life again and have said, sorry, man, that's too much for me. I don't buy it. I would encourage you to do what the disciples did, to do what I did when I got the letters from the IRS. <laughs> to have a healthy level of skepticism, <laughs> to say not everything I hear is true, but at the same time, not to have an unreasonable level of skepticism that refuses to receive the truth when the evidence is presented to you. And so, sure, the first letter you see, maybe that's not real. <laughs> Second letter, maybe that's not real. But eventually, check it out. Because not only may it be real, this might be a big deal. And that's what the disciples experienced. And that is where the story goes, is that eventually they do have enough evidence to overcome their threshold of belief, to pass that tipping point, and their lives are changed. And they do receive the Holy Spirit, and they go out into all the world, and they share this good news that death has been defeated, that God has broken into history in a particular time and a particular place and has shown that he does have the power over everything else that could possibly threaten us. And that we can look forward to a, a life to come that goes on forever, but also that we can be a part of a new creation that began with the resurrection and that we can have a new quality of life now, a new way of being human now as we have fellowship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as we have fellowship with one another. This is, as I mentioned, uh, some of the things that, that go on in between. I said, you know, people see the empty tomb, and, oh, now I think Jesus is raised. That must be it. No. What, uh, he told us, what he tells us in Acts, chapter 1, that we read a little bit ago, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, After his suffering... He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. He appeared to them. He gave them many convincing proofs. Why did he have to give them many convincing proofs? Because they weren't quick to receive this. And they were the ones who had been close they were the ones who had been with him the whole time, who had heard him say things like, we're going to Jerusalem, and when we get there, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be killed, but on the third day, I'm going to rise again. I don't know if you remember this part, but on one occasion when he says this to them, then it says, and the disciples talked among themselves, discussing what he could have meant by rising from the dead. <laughs> they did not have a category for this. And so he uh, appears to them and has to give them many convincing proofs over a period of 40 days. Today is our final sermon, actually, in a series we've been doing, looking at different 40s throughout the Bible, 
40 days, 40 years. And what we've been seeing is these are times of testing. And we have seen uh, that people tend to not do well in these times of testing, (laughs) failing the test again and again. And yet here Jesus is, I believe, graciously giving his people what they needed. That's what he does. Graciously giving his people what they needed. And over 40 days, giving them enough evidence, enough proof that, yes, this is true. So at the end of 40 days, no more evidence needs to be given. No more proof needs to be given. Now it just needs to be answered. Do you believe or do you not believe? I don't know where you are today, but I did the math. 40 days from today is May 31st. So might I recommend that we take the next 40 days and look again at the resurrection of Jesus. Look at the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. Look at what the resurrection of Jesus means for us today, what it means for the world in general. And if you're not ready today to say, yes, I believe, I would encourage you over the next 40 days to also check and make sure that your threshold of belief is not set unreasonably high. That you wouldn't miss the truth when the evidence is presented to you. I once heard a, um, a man who's a, an atheist, didn't believe in God. He's debating somebody who's a Christian. The, the Christian said to him, you know, what would it take? What evidence do you need? You say you have an open mind and that you would believe. What would it take for you to believe? It's, an, it's a good question. And the man said something along the lines of I'm fuzzy on this now, but he said something like, you know, I guess if I went outside one night and I saw the stars all rearrange themselves to spell my name, then maybe I believe there's a God. And he goes, he kind of stops himself and goes, well, actually, no. It's probably more likely than I'd be hallucinating. <laughs> if, if there is nothing that can convince you of something, then the threshold is set too high. And so we may have to re-gauge where that threshold is, re-gauge where that tipping point is, and so that as we ev- evaluate the evidence, we do so fairly. We actually give the evidence a hearing um, that we wouldn't be like me with the IRS envelopes and throw them away forever until you have no more options of opening it on your own. Take this 40 days. Take this 40 days, wherever you are, in the room, still in the hallway waiting. Look at the resurrection of Jesus. Look again at what this means for us, for the world. Look at the evidence that he provided. It's more than an empty tomb. It's all the evidence we need. And it is, it is what we need. If you are those who have already believed, may this be uh, further encouragement to you as you reflect on the resurrection to be those to share the good news of Jesus to all who need to hear. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.